Lights, camera, Asia. A look at Asian culture and history through the lens of cinema. Hello and welcome back to Lights, Camera, Asia. I'm Jake Chen. We、uh, wrapped up a rather lengthy miniseries on Asia's gangster films in the last couple of weeks. In fact, when we looked at the movies that we've covered so far, we can say that they're all about people in rather unusual circumstances. These are some examples. The Departures is about a young man who accidentally became a mortician who dealt with dead bodies. In the mood of love is about a man and a woman who fall in love with each other while their respective partners are having an affair behind their back. Twilight Samurai tells the story of a low-ranked samurai who struggles with life, the orders of his clan, while trying to grasping on that one last hope of love with a woman who is near and dear to him. All these films tell beautiful stories that tug at our heartstrings, but one thing we do need to realize is that we are very unlikely to encounter these people or their circumstances. The common thread that connects us, the common folks, is just that: commonality. The vast majority of us live mundane lives, have unexciting jobs, and spend our spare time on activities that are hardly earth-shattering. And that is why the majority of the film that gets remembered, that gets people's attention, are ones that are about characters in unusual circumstances. Because we, as common folks, as the viewers and the audience, we need to see people in unusual circumstances to get that sense of excitement. That is so lacking in our own lives. Now, when I said that most of us are common folks, this is not a knock on anyone because most of us include myself. Now, one thing we do need to realize is that a common life and the stories that's in it is pretty difficult to be adopted into movies. It is certainly difficult to be adopted into a movie that is exciting. If I were to ask a random stranger on the street. What was the most exciting thing that happened in your life in the past week? The answer is likely going to the grocery store or visiting one's parents or friends. But film as an art form is as varied as any other art forms that we've come to know, and many filmmakers have risen to the challenge to create films that tell stories of everyday people. Stories about their mundane lives, including the many, many small triumphs and struggles. In fact, I'd argue that films about the regular lives are, at least in my opinion, the best prism through which to project the reality of a certain culture that the inhabitants of such culture face every day. It is easy, for instance, to connect the country of Japan with samurai movies and quirky animes. But everyday Japanese don't live their life in such a fictional world. It is easy to connect China to martial arts and paintbrush calligraphy, but most ordinary Chinese citizens don't live in that world neither. So, to understand the lives of people in Asia, we probably should shift our attention and look at a different kind of movie. 
the kind that brings us much closer to what they actually do day in and day out. The kind of movie that shows the emotions that people experience as they go about their day. And to explore this new theme, we are going to start a new mini-series and look at a new series of movies. Our first stop is Japan, and the first movie that we'll be looking at is called Tokyo Story. It is almost impossible to overstate just how important Tokyo Story is. It is one of the most highly regarded films to have ever come out of Japan, and on the world stage, it stands hand-in-hand hand with timeless classics such as The Seven Samurai and Yojimbo as the films that are almost synonymous with Japanese cinema. They don't just tell Japanese stories. Their aesthetics and style are vastly different from that of Western films. So when they burst onto the scene, the cinema world really wasn't quite ready. Tokyo Story was as praised as it was misunderstood during its initial release in 1953. But in the ensuing years and decades, the film has gained a massive critical acclaim and at this point is almost universally recognized as one of the most important films in the 20th century. So you must be wondering, a film about regular folks in Japan, how does that become a classic? Now, with that question in mind, let's dive right into the world of Tokyo Story. The film doesn't open in Tokyo, but instead in Onomichi, a rural township in southern Japan. At the beginning of the film, we see an elderly couple. They are Shukichi and Tomi Hirayama, and they sit in their lobby and they talk to their daughter and neighbor about traveling to Tokyo to see their two children who live in the metropolitan. Like any old couple, the two chat about what they need to bring, what they need to left behind, and then they got on their way. The first stop for the Hirayamas is at the house of their oldest son, Kiyochi, who now is a working pediatrician in Tokyo. The son and his wife greet the elderly parents with a very Japanese greeting. They bow and they welcome into the door. And the two couples exchange regards and then the two wives proceed to prepare dinner. After the post-dinner chat, the elderly Hirayama couple retreats into their bedroom and have a short talk. The conversation doesn't really touch on anything substantial. The two just talk about the long travel to Tokyo, about how that have really drained their energy, about how their oldest son is doing, and the film then fades into the next dawn. Now the next scene takes place at the home of Shige, the couple's daughter. Shige owns a hair salon in a different part in Tokyo, and she is expecting her parents to visit her in their second stop. In preparation for the elderly's visit, Shige's husband asks her whether he needs to do anything special to take a day off or whether he needs to make time to take him out to watch a show. Shige, while eating her lunch and haphazardly talking to her husband, said in a very nonchalant manner, no to all those proposals. She simply said that there's no need to worry about them and that they'll know what to do when they get here. 
So one day Hirayamas do come to visit their daughter Shige. She doesn't spend much time with them. The two elderly are left alone with their grandchildren, and later on, Shige sends them to a local hot spring that she paid for. This is sort of her treat for her parents coming in. However, this trip to the hot spring didn't really go so well because the two elderly are really advanced in age, and their physical conditions don't allow them to handle the heat of the hot spring. So they have to return to their daughter's place early. But their discomfort really doesn't end there, as Shige has arranged to use the room that were meant to her parents to stay for a business meeting. So knowing that the two elderly have to find another place to spend the night, left with no choice, Tomi and Shukichi Hirayama had to split up. Shukichi, the grandfather, goes out to seek out a few old friends that he still has in Tokyo. And they spend the night out at a bar, a very typical Japanese activity among men when they don't return to their homes. Tomi, the grandmother, gets in touch with Noriko, their daughter-in-law. It is at this point in the movie that we begin to see how the two elderly reflect on their current situation. They've traveled all the way from the edge of Japan to the central metropolitan that is Tokyo. And over the few days that they've spent with their children, they've grown quite distant from them, and this is a fact that both elderly have begun to realize. From the outside, both their son and daughter are quite accomplished. One is a working pediatrician at a hospital, and the other one owns a hair salon. However, neither one of them have given them much time, nor did they give them much of their full attention or energy. During the two days that they've spent in Tokyo so far, the two elderly often find themselves alone in the house or trapped with their grandchildren, and the grandchildren don't spare them much time and attention either. So at this point, the two elderly find themselves rather out of place. So Shikuchi, the grandfather, is spending the night out with his old pals, and they drink at the bar, chat with the hostess. Well, they ponder their current situation. Shikuchi soon finds out that most of his elderly friends face the same situation and challenges that he does. A lot of their children are working and are doing rather well. However, many of them have grown increasingly distant from them, and the connection is gradually lost. On the other hand, we look at Tomi, the grandmother. She found Noriko, who graciously accepted her to spend the night with. Noriko had married one of her other sons, who went missing in action in World War II and was presumed dead a long time ago. Although she's not directly related to Tomi, her mother-in-law, Noriko welcomed her with much warmth and care. She makes bed for her and decides to stay by her side because she is clearly advanced in age and not. In a very good house condition, it is over this night and the conversation that they have before they go to bed that Noriko and Tomi develop this bond. The two share their experiences in life, and Tomi expresses to Noriko her concerns and her worries about their children, whereas Noriko expresses her longing for her long-gone husband. At one point. Tomi even tries to convince Noriko to remarry, 
and、uh, she will have her full blessing while doing so. Noriko gently refuses her advice and decides to keep on facing life on her own. We'll hit pause here, and then we'll continue the plot of Tokyo's story in next week's episode. I hope you can all begin to realize that although the story is rather common and mundane, we are beginning to see the emotions that the various characters experience in this universe. Thank you for listening to Lights Camera Asia. I'm Jake Chen, and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>